you're listening to Privacy Files, the podcast that makes privacy approachable for businesses and consumers alike. This episode is brought to you by Anonymy Labs, makers of MySudo, the world's only all-in-one privacy app and pseudo platform, the cloud-based platform companies turn to for seamlessly integrating privacy solutions into their software. Welcome to episode number three of Privacy Files. I'm Rich. And I'm Sarah. In the last episode, Sarah and I conducted a deep dive into what privacy actually means, acknowledging that the definition of privacy varies greatly depending on the individual. Today, we're going to look at ways to protect your privacy without being extreme. Sarah, so I often hear people talk about, I would love to be private, but, and here comes all the excuses, right? (laughs) It's too much work. I don't have the time. People think I'm weird. I don't want to be that person. And I like using the internet, right? Who doesn't? But what most people don't realize is you can be private, but it doesn't require a significant amount of effort. Yeah, that's right. As we mentioned in our last podcast, almost 75% of Americans are concerned about privacy, but many just don't know where to begin. So that's sort of where we are today. We're trying to give sort of that little one-on-one breakdown. And whether you feel like you're already pretty comfortable with how to protect your privacy or you're part of the majority that are concerned but don't know where to start, we're going to give you a few ideas and tools today to, to sort of get you going in the right direction to controlling more of your online privacy. I was reading an article where a survey of 10,000 adults were performed and they were asking who they think should be most responsible at protecting their data. So I'm going to read these stats and you tell me where you stand as well. So 42%, so almost half, said they feel the government should be most responsible for protecting their data by informing the public and enforcing strong privacy and data protection laws. 34% said they believe that companies should be most responsible by being transparent about the data they collect and how it's used and by ensuring strong data protection policies. And then last was 24%, about a quarter, that said the responsibility on the, is on the public by reading privacy policies, making sure they share information only with companies they trust. So where do you, where do you Rich, where do you stand <laughs> on that? Personal responsibility for me. <laughs> right. I mean, when it all comes down to it, right, it's, it's ultimately up to you. Yeah, it helps if you've got other parties around you that are taking care of privacy. Because again, people don't always appreciate the risk exposure. And that's, I think that's, we talked about that in the last episode. There is that education gap. But I do think that when it comes down to privacy, you have to make sure that you are educated about what you do. Like when you go visit a doctor, for instance, you know, oftentimes it feels like you got to know as much as they do to make a good decision. That's why they say, go get a second opinion. Right. Right. So I may or may not be one of those parents with a shirt that says, I don't co-parent with the government. I might be guilty of that. So my mind immediately was like, well, no, the government should never be the most important factor in anything. So, and I also automatically compare this to saying, doctors are the most responsible for my health. It's just not true. You know, you can't put that responsibility on a higher power. It starts with you. So ultimately, though, it's tough to say which of those is most important because they all play a role in privacy, right? But I definitely think for me, like it starts with us. Instead of these tiers of most importance, I see it as more of these are sort of different pieces of the privacy pie that all contribute. But personally, I still think it starts with me as the consumer and what I choose to share. 
then I can sort of utilize extra tools to help me be safe all while under these umbrellas of privacy laws and policies. So every choice I make about sharing any personal information affects how those other two pieces of the pie are utilized. Uh, So I was actually chatting with my husband about this survey because as soon as I saw that almost half the people think it's government's responsibility for something that they should be controlling, we sort of came up with this sports analogy. It's I feel like everybody uses sports for analogies. And so I've got a golf analogy. I do play a little golf, so I'm not just, you know, winging this here. Um, I'm going to try to connect these dots, make it more consumable for people. So I have a PGA, Pro Golfers Association, analogy to describe how all these facets make up the importance of privacy. So first, I'm going to start with the golfer. Obviously, that's the user, the consumer, you, me. The golfer is the focus of the game, right? So without him, there's no sport, there's no course, there's no PGA, there's no money. That's you and me. Without a consumer, there's no product, no laws, no money. So during a round of golf, the golfer is the one who ultimately makes the choices of which clubs to use, how to hit it, where to hit it, etc., We decide which apps to use, which information we share and whatnot. So you, me, consumers, we're the golfer. Next, we have the caddy. A caddy, by definition, is the person who carries a player's bag, clubs, and gives the player advice and moral support. So these are your privacy tools like MySudo, the Norton LifeLocks, the VPNs, privacy settings. These are tools and suggestions to help protect your privacy. They can help call the shots like a caddy, but ultimately it's up to the golfer to use them or make a different choice. So then where are the companies, the services, the apps we use? Those are the different courses, the tournaments a golfer plays. The golfer wants to play these courses and they're providing that service. These courses may even have tough obstacles to make it more difficult to play. You've got your sand traps, your water. But ultimately, we as the player expect these courses to have clean, safe environments for an enjoyable game of golf, right? So these are your Instagrams, your websites, your services. We feel these services are responsible by being transparent about the data they collect, how it's used, and by ensuring strong data protection policies. And then finally, we have the government and all this. So who are they? They're the PGA. The PGA is an organization with the stated purpose of promoting interest in professional golf, elevating the standards of the game, and advancing the welfare of its members. I don't think the PGA really cares who wins. You know, they're just enforcing, creating the rules, and they write the checks. So that's sort of the analogy that I came up with. I was trying to break it down. So it's not tiers of importance. It's like how we're all involved in the game, but really without us, the consumer, none of it's happening, right? So... The golfers, you and me, the caddies are the privacy tools, the golf courses are the services we want to use, and the PGA is the government upholding the game and its standards, in a sense. Now that's What did you think of that? That's involved. (laughs) Right? Yeah. So all these are important, but it does ultimately come down to us as the user and the consumers of these privacy services. Yeah. And and I guess back to the, the privacy policies, you know, I'm talking about personal responsibility, but to some extent, you know, you've seen those legalese opt-in. Right. Nobody reads that. No. That's <laughs> too long. <laughs> that's that's the other problem too. So I would imagine most people are not completely aware of what exactly is going on that they're right. agreeing to. Yeah. And, that, and that probably could be cleaned up as well. Right. It's a lot of trust in those services and businesses you're using. And speaking of company policies and being better stewards of good privacy policies for consumers, I think it's a good time for this message from our sponsor. The global average cost of a data breach is nearly $4.5 million, but that's viewing it from a liability perspective. Today, privacy is a value proposition for software providers. 
When you develop a reputation for protecting customers' personal information, you don't just acquire new customers, you make them loyal. Etsudo Platform is the world's premier cloud platform for providing developers with a menu of enterprise-ready SDKs and APIs that make integrating privacy solutions into your software so easy. Built for developers by developers, from identity wallets and password managers to virtual cards and secure encrypted communications, Pseudo Platform has you covered. Go to market quickly with a privacy platform that is scalable, flexible, and secure. To learn more, visit pseudoplatform.com. That's pseudoplatform.com. So Sarah, we've discussed a little bit about how privacy begins with us as users, consumers. So let's dive in to a my pseudo blog article and talk about how people can actually get started on this privacy journey. Perfect. Yeah. So there is this my pseudo, if you haven't been there, mysudo.com forward slash blog. There's really, you could search any keyword and you're going to find some great tips out there. This one I like is where do I start when it comes to personal privacy? It's a great place to start. That's what this podcast is all about, helping people get started. So this was written by one of our fellow normie co-workers, and she asked the question, what advice can you give to someone who is concerned about privacy but isn't sure where to start? And there are four tips given in it that come from some of our other co-workers, and they're deemed our privacy experts. So I thought those were really great. So they've got four. I'll start with the first one. It was avoid giving out your personal phone number online. So we always talk about your phone number is basically your social security number. So a phone number is a common way to identify a person on the internet. It's likely at some point in the past, you've given your phone number to several big tech companies, which all have some of your data. And if a data breach occurs, it will be easy for hackers to associate your data across multiple services and steal your identity. Credit card fraud, for example. The more links between your personal data online, the more you're at risk of cybercrime. So the alternative is an option. Use a MySudo phone number. It's a great working, it's an actual working phone number, and you can use it instead of your personal SIM card based one. So this one was immediately stop giving out your personal information to websites and services. Use an alternative. And then there's the issue of credit card use. Now, I think many people don't realize that banks actually sell your transaction data. Mm -hmm. And they sell it to data brokers. They sell it to advertisers, companies. You don't really know exactly where all that information ends up. And so that's why people who are aware of that will use services like PayPal where they have that buffer in between their actual bank account information and the person that they're transacting with. Or you can use a virtual card, which is available in the MySudo app. And that virtual card, again, is just a, it's a barrier between your actual personal information and that transaction that's taking place with a retailer, online merchant, whoever it might be. And it just gives you an extra piece of protection to make sure that not only is your personal information not getting out there like your email, phone number, physical address, but do you really want all that transaction data out there floating around in space as those right. data brokers and aggregators are building profiles on your life? Seriously. Yeah. So, and then the next one that they list in here, never use the same password twice. So we mentioned this in our last episode. I mentioned how terrible I am with logins and passwords. So this one, I use heavily a password manager. It's super helpful. Already, if you have an iOS built straight into it, Android, sorry, I have no idea what's built into your phone. I don't use one, but they're super helpful. If you use the same password on multiple services online, it's easier for hackers to just get 
access to all of those services and all your data. They're all linked. So instead, use a different password on every service if possible. You know, you're breaking that link between your accounts. So any data breaches have a far less impact on your privacy and security. So when you're using the password manager, you don't have to remember them all. And even with it right on the iOS, it'll let you know if there are any privacy concerns with any of your logins. That's a feature I love and I use because it's got that red alert kind of freaks you out for a minute. And you're like, okay, I do need to go change some passwords. Have been repeating them a little too often. So never use the same password twice and use a password manager. And then what about if your personal day has been compromised? You know, there's these credit reporting services. And sometimes you hear people, they go in and they check their credit report. And they had no idea there was all these things on there, stuff that shouldn't be there. Right erroneous information. Maybe they found that there was a scammer trying to steal their identity. What do people do if they want to find out if their personal data has been compromised? Yeah. So this article lists, actually, uh, there's two websites in here that I'm sure there's more, but the first one is a website called haveibeenpwned.com. It's haveibeenpwned.com, where you enter your email address to see whether any sites where you have accounts have had a data breach. So if your accounts are listed, you can go to that site, reset your password, or even delete your account. So this surface also tells you what was stolen, which is great. So another website is called f-secure.com. Under their identity theft tracker, they also have some nice descriptions and sends you a report to your email address that tells you exactly what it contained in that data breach. After checking on whether my data and accounts have been compromised, you can decide what you do with that. In the article, just a few ways you can tackle the problem of protecting your own personal privacy. So if you're not already subscribed to my pseudo and the anonymy blogs, I definitely suggest it because they are posting articles, I would say almost once a week. There's amazing privacy tips on there. It's not just highlighting features of the app, but awesome highlights and articles about what's actually happening in the world around us every day. And Sarah, speaking of data breaches, content creators or influencers or public figures who live their lives online, and there's over 200 million of them worldwide, how should they approach privacy? So I'm actually going to reference another MySudo blog article. I liked it because I was searching for, we're not just trying to talk about the problems with privacy, but solutions to them, right? So this one talked about influencers specifically. However, it gave 16 ways to manage the issues that they run into. And so many of them are very applicable to the everyday persons. And I'm also really excited to get into the topic of influencers. Um, I know in a future podcast, we're hoping to get a couple of local influencers on and just sort of dive into, you know, they're living their lives online. How are you doing it privately? So I'm excited for that to come. But so I'm not going to go through all 16 ways to manage the risks from this article right now, but I will give sort of my easier top five from the article since it's our privacy 101 for today's episode. So the first one, it sort of listed one and two together for me, but um, creating strong passwords and using a password manager to store passwords. We've already talked about that. Number two was don't share your street address, obviously. And then disable location tagging on your images and posts. We can dive into that in just a minute. Never say you're away from home and that the house is unoccupied. I think that's so easy for people to want to brag that they're heading out on some vacation or something. But as soon as you do that, people know you're not home. And then number five was use at least one additional phone number and email address, which you can get from MySudo for as low as even 99 cents a month. Um, that one is super simple. Like I said, this article has a lot of great information, not just for influencers. But yeah, you can go find this on the mysudo.com forward slash blog. And speaking of MySudo, I think that's a good transition into our next sponsored message. Are you tired of big tech spying on you? MySudo is the world's only all-in-one app that gives you back control 
of your privacy. By creating digital profiles or pseudos, you can compartmentalize your online activities by setting up a unique phone number, email address, and handle for things like shopping, accessing free content, and using dating apps. This breaks the data trail linking back to your personal info, thus reducing your digital exhaust. Each pseudo also includes a private web browser with ad and tracker blocker. Want to stop companies from sharing data related to your transactions and spending habits? Set up a MySudo virtual card and bring peace of mind that your transactions are secure and private. To learn more, visit MySudo.com. That's MySudo.com. Stay private. Okay, Sarah, I guess we touched on some privacy tools that people can take and incorporate into their lives. I think let's dive in a little bit more and take a look at some of the bigger tips that people can uh, can tackle. So 2FA is one. There's some debate about you know two-factor authentication. Some people say that you know maybe you shouldn't use text messaging and your phone number to get those codes to have that second level of step to access your you know particular information, whether it's software, app, whatever it might be. Some say you should use the app, but you know we're not going to go into into depth on that. I think the most important thing is is just the next step is add something beyond just your username and your password. Activate 2FA. It gives you an extra layer of protection. And that's one little thing that you can do that helps you improve your privacy. Another good piece of advice, I guess, is to use a virtual private network or VPN. Again, we're not going to go into all the details on how VPN works, but just know that VPNs, they're not all equal. One piece of advice is stay clear of VPNs that are free because all companies have to make money. And I think we've heard before, if, if the product is free, you're the product. Exactly I was just going right. to say the same thing. There are free VPNs out there. And when I hear that, I'm like, oh, you might want to look for something, even pay an extra dollar, just see what it gets you, you know, exactly. Extra layer of privacy. They're probably monetizing your data and they're probably selling it to others. Right. So yeah, just stay clear of the free VPNs, but the VPN will allow you to have that extra layer of privacy and keep those outside bad actors from hacking into your system. So it's just, it's a good tip, it's a good, especially when you're on a public Wi-Fi, make sure you're on a VPN, sometimes at home too, but it just depends. Again, it's just about taking that next level. Don't have to spend a lot of effort or energy going into trying to set up this perfect firewall between you know your world and the outside world, but just take a look at a VPN. That's a good next step for some extra protection. Another tip is turn off your data sharing and location tracking on your mobile device. Now, we've had some issues in the news lately. Apple now is kind of in trouble because even though people were activating or deactivating the tracking of, of, of their data, Apple was still sharing the data. So keep that in mind. There is some stuff that still goes on behind the scenes, but you can deactivate the tracking of your locations as well as the sharing of information across apps. That gives you a little bit of extra protection. There was a, a news story of back in, I think it was May, I believe, Vice News ran an article about, it was kind of an expose, if you will, that the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, or the CDC, had purchased access to location data harvested from tens of millions of phones in the United States to perform analysis of compliance with you know, curfews, track patterns of people visiting schools, and specifically monitor the effectiveness of policy, even in the Navajo Nation. So it's all related to the COVID you know, lockdowns. And so again, you know, did you give permission to the government or to any agency related to the government to track your location? The answer is no. And I think most people, if they were asked, 
They would say no. Exactly. <laughs> no, exactly. So, and what's further, what, what's interesting about this is the company that sold that data to the CDC is SafeGraph. And that's a data broker that has had some controversy in the past. They charge $420,000 for this, but even they were banned by Google of all companies, right? Google, <laughs> the, the, the privacy invader of all privacy invaders. And they still were too controversial for Google. So they banned them in the Play Store. And then there was this individual, Zach Edwards, who's a cybersecurity researcher who closely follows the data marketplace. And he said that the CDC seems to have purposely created an open-ended list of use cases, which included monitoring curfews, neighbor-to-neighbor visits, visits to churches, schools, pharmacies, and also a variety of analysis with the data specifically focused on violence. So the documents that they acquired, uh, Vice News that is, there's a long list of different potential CDC use cases for all of this data. So that's right. it's nuts. Yeah. Thanks. But again, it's like we're not trying to scare people. Just want to let them know there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes rather just besides you giving away your personal information. Unless you're reading these articles on the daily and getting them from every news source, you're not going to have any idea that this is actually happening. And then the, the one other thing too, is you oftentimes will hear people say, well, yeah, but it's anonymized data, right? So they can't track who you actually are. But there's also been cases where independent researchers have looked at the code. They've looked at where data is flowing and they say, you actually can de-anonymize that information. And I can find out, you know, where was Sarah on, you know, May the 16th. That's, right. that's, that's a problem for, I think for most people. Yeah. I like that one turning off your location tracking. You don't realize, you know, I was just popping into my settings real quick to see how mine were set up. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, there's, you think you've toggled everything off or said never, you know, I don't want it to track me ever or just while I'm using it or you turn it off. And then it's almost like there's another button at the bottom that you tap into. And there's another set of settings like, Oh my gosh. And everything is on by default. So you really do need to sort of take the time, even go look up an article on how to turn things off if you need to. But there are a lot of layers in there for you and your location tracking. It's, so it's designed that way. It is intense. It is. And what about, I think before we started recording, I think that's a kind of a hot button topic for you is this, this federated login stuff. So right. whenever Facebook says, hey, would you like to log into this new you know, software or whatever it might be, this new platform using your Facebook credentials? Right. What about that? I don't really, I haven't really thought twice about it in the past, but it's more and more the newer services I sign up to or new websites, anything like that, that I'm kind of sort of newly visiting for the first time. It says, hey, do you want to sign in with your Facebook account? I have a Facebook account to connect with other moms in our neighborhood and stuff like that. That's really the only reason I use it. However, I can't believe how easy it is just to be like, yeah, connect me through Facebook. And you just are sort of like, well, I don't want to create a new login. So just use the login I already have. But you don't really understand what's happening when you click that button. And Mark Zuckerberg smiling because <laughs> all that information is going back to right? Meta. Just another building a profile on you. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, so I think the, the bigger picture here is limit that kind of usage, if, if at all possible, stay away from it, right? Yeah. Again, create separate login data, username, password for everything that you're using. And when, when possible, use two-factor authentication. And then what about, of course, MySudo? Yeah, I was sort of already thinking about that when you mentioned using different logins for things, because with MySudo, I have the nine tier level. It's pseudo max. It allows me to have, I have nine different profiles and I actually use them 
for all sorts of things. And at times I'm like, God, I kind of wish I had an extra one now. So I have one for shopping. I have, because my online shopping, especially during the holidays, I like that everything just goes straight there. I also have kids activities. I'm always signing my kids up for new things or connecting with different mom groups. I also have for house repairs or anything house project related that I need to give out, whether it's pest control or somebody needs to come fix something, I give them that pseudo profile. So I think just having that compartmentalization to sort of separate those different facets of everything going on in your life, it helps organize it too. We just keep saying, you know, over and over, create a new login, create a new email, you know, that feels like a lot. You're like, well, how do I keep track of all that? I like having pseudo to do that because I've got this card. It has its own nice little picture. I've given it a label. I know exactly how I'm using it. And everything for that part of my life goes straight to that pseudo. And they are organized and it's compartmentalized. And I love it. Yeah. That, and that is the great part about it because your personal info, email address, symbase cell, leave that for friends and family, right? Right. And even then, if you want to get your friends and family on my pseudo to have, you know, end to end encrypted messaging and video calling, all this great stuff, that's available too. So if you're like, hey, you guys, like, let's get a little more private within our family. You guys can all sign up for my pseudo, even for free. Pseudo to pseudo is free. So you don't have to worry about spending tons of money. It's free to just communicate with friends and family. And they have this new private contact matching feature, which easily connects me with those on my phone. If I'm like, Hey, you guys, I'm on my pseudo, come join me so that it's, it's protected. There's a lot of great features. They have those disappearing or expiring messages. I like those, you know, I can set my message to go to you for a certain amount of time. And after that time it's gone, or I can edit my messages as well. I just like having that extra layer, knowing that it's encrypted, it's end to end encrypted. So. And you got a private browser too, right? Yes. That's your bonus. Private so browser. Ad tracker blocker. Stay private because, again, all that browser information, too, and we can go into that in a later episode, but that's a behavioral profile that's getting built on you as well. All the searches, everywhere you visit, right? All that information is stored somewhere, leaving a trace of your activities online. And then also, you know, just being careful about, you know, there's a lot of phishing scams trying to get your personal data. I'm getting probably almost every day now text message saying, whatever account was hacked, which I don't even have an account with whatever the company is. Right. Right. Again, just use your common sense. Stay away from those emails that come in that say something about being hacked or, Hey, you know, sign up for this or whatever it might be. Look at where, look at where the email address is coming from. Look at the from line. A lot of times it's, you know, instead of saying bank of it's something else, but for it, it's all. Yeah. My email, they're getting clever because they're even using company logos and pictures and stuff in the email. And it looks like it's coming from support or their marketing. And I'm just like, this just is, it's worded kind of funny. There might be a spelling error too, but yeah, if you click on that from where it shows you who the email address is actually from, it's typically they're not smart enough to use their own name at some domain. But yeah, if you notice that you've got some fishy emails coming, just don't click on anything. Cause as soon as you do that, they're going to be diving right into your phone. Yep. Just be cautious. And then I think the last thing is just think twice, be careful, be diligent before you provide an email address or phone number when you are purchasing something. I mean, how many times have you been in store 
yeah. And then you're buying something. Ah, can I have your email address too? Yeah. You're checking out and they're like, hey, can I have your phone number and your email? And you're well, why? You know, first of all, why? I don't need your newsletter. I don't need your subscription. You know, like I'll get your discounts anyway. So there it's so easy to be like, oh, sure. Here's my phone number so I can get 10 cents off next time I'm here. It's just not worth it. And yeah. if you're going to do that, create a retail merchant's pseudo card. I swear it in my life, it comes down, just create a pseudo for it. Separate yourself because as soon as I start getting these weird spam emails to my personal account, I'm like, oh, where did I use my personal email? I totally gave out the wrong one. So just think twice. Think you know, twice. and a lot of times they're so brazen about it too. They they don't even try to give you justification for why. Yeah. They're just asking for it. Hey, can I have your email in your ear? Why? <laughs> why do you need it? <laughs> Always ask why. Well, Sarah, I think that was a good rundown on some privacy tips that people can take back with them and get yeah. started. Yeah. So we're not just going to tell you there's a problem. We're going to try to give you some of these basic tools and get you going. Easy, low effort ways to attain a little more protection. Nothing crazy, nothing extreme. Right. That's going to do it for this episode. In our next episode, we'll be discussing how society has changed in a world where technology increasingly surveils us. Until next time, don't forget... Privacy is a human right. <laughs>